I'm Elena. And welcome to History Honeys. The podcast where a married couple teaches each other about cool stuff in the past. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our first regular episode in a while. Yeah. I mean, our last one was slightly irregular, but before that was highly irregular. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're back at it. So to get us back on track. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about Lucy Maud Montgomery. Is that a friend of yours? That'd be weird because she's been long dead. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh, I'm sorry to uh, hear about your friend. She uh, would also be known as L.M. Montgomery uh, and Rise. What she's most known for is writing Anne of Green Gables. Uh-huh. Yes. So she is a friend of yours. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I guess we're considering our look at female authors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Who are long dead. Yeah. (laughs) Because it just wouldn't be history then. It would be current events, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, So in addition to Anne of Green Gables, uh, she would go on to publish 20 novels, over 500 short stories, 500 poems, and like a few dozen essays. She was busy. Yeah. She was very busy. So she was born on November 20th, uh, 1874 in Clifton on Prince Edward Island in Canada. An island we're going to be talking a lot about, I'm sure. We're going to talk a lot about Prince Edward Island. Um, So I guess like our Canadian friends will like this. Or they're going to be really annoyed because they're like, that's like the only thing people talk about in Canada. (laughs) That is not true. (laughs) There's other things people talk about. Prince Edward Island is uh, an island. Yes. And a province. Yes. And the smallest of the provinces. Yes. And the most, like, got, got anything else you want to add about Prince Edward Island? I just thought I should do a little bit of geography. Yeah. It is far eastern Canada. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, so her mother, Clara, uh, would die of tuberculosis when she was 21 months old. Oh. Uh, And after that, her father left her with her mother's parents in Cavendish uh, on Prince Edward Island. And he moved to Prince Albert in Saskatchewan, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like 2,000 miles away, if you don't know your Canadian geography. I don't. I had to Google that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But how far apart can they be? They're both princes. It's fine. You know, like a 45-hour drive, like whatever. So she grew up on Prince Edward Island. Um, Mm -hmm. Cavendish was pretty rural. Uh, She attended a one-room school. But she did have cousins and family nearby, um, even though her father left. Vamoosed. She's with her grandparents. Yeah. Surely other people are visiting grandma and grandpa. Yes. She absolutely loved Prince Edward Island, but wrote about... She kept journals through her whole life. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about a lot of things she said that are from her journals. Okay. That's how we know she said these things. <laughs> but she would talk about how she was very uh, lonely mm-hmm. there. And so she created imaginary friends for herself mm-hmm. to keep herself company. Uh, and she credits that with helping her develop her imagination and creativity. Mm-hmm. And the whole imaginary friend thing, if you are familiar with any of her work, it appears. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that Anne of Green Gables is a big old weirdo? Yes. 
Or she has a rich inner life, if you're going to be polite about it. Yeah. 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 In addition to just keeping journals, she always liked to write for herself as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was in 1887, uh, when she was 13, that she submitted her first poem uh, with the hope of publication. And she wrote in her journal about how she had dreams of future fame and how she imagined Basically, she would become a local celebrity after mm-hmm. it was published, and like oh, yeah. all her school friends would just like fawn over her, and she was so excited, and it was rejected. <laughs> In 1890, mm-hmm. three years later, uh, she spent a year visiting her father and her stepmom in Prince Albert, mm-hmm. uh, and while well, well there, she had uh, her first works published, and that was a poem, and then an article back in... Um, prince edward island oh okay so so it was where her friends could see it yes it wasn't like i i you wouldn't know my girlfriend she doesn't go to this school sort of thing <laughs> you have some experience with that don't you <laughs> they're like yeah sure you saw how surprised people were <laughs> that sh- you were real <laughs> an actual flesh and blood person when i came to homecoming and they were all like oh you do have a date. <laughs> we weren't expecting this. And those were the people that liked me somewhat. Imagine what everybody else was thinking. Uh, so after her, her visit to Prince Albert, uh, mm-hmm. she started attending uh, Prince of Wales College in Charlottetown. What's with all these dang princes? They really like their princes. You- Learn this. You'd think Canada was still part of a royal commonwealth or something. What? What in the world? I feel like I've learned a lot through researching this because of my (laughs) love of, you know, seeing everything Anne of Green Gables. Mm -hmm. Um, The the Anne extended universe. I never knew that Charlottetown was on Prince Edward Island. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Okay. It's like the big city, I guess. It's like the capital basically the largest sure, place sure. but yeah like in my brain i always imagined that it was like you had to take a boat or well they always <laughs> took the train so uh-huh. i'm like oh they gotta take a train and then i don't know a boat across the waterway to the mainland or something well the the way the island is presented is as this like idyllic you know sweet charming farmland the idea that there are any cities seems well, so strange. Also, Prince Edward Island is much larger than I ever thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought it was like the size of Mackinac Island. <laughs> no. Yeah, if you're, if you're just like unfamiliar and, and only watching the movies and the TV movies and the TV shows, yeah. and things that I'm sure we're going to mention later, it would not be unusual to come away with the sense that Prince Edward Island is about 20 square miles. <laughs> yeah. There's a farm village, a fishing village, and a whole lot of nature. Yeah. 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 So it's a bit, it's a bit bigger than it's I thought. It's a bit bigger than that. Uh, yeah. And so uh, she she went there for a two-year teacher's license program, Mm -hmm. but completed it in one. Oh, so fancy. Yeah, someone's an overachiever. Uh, And so she taught for several years at various uh, schools on PEI, which is apparently an acceptable term. I always (laughs) thought anytime they would call it like PEI, I'm like, oh, you're just trying to be like, cool. Uh, No, apparently that's actually a term that's used. Mm -hmm. It's legit. Okay. But uh, teaching was never actually like what she 
really wanted to do. It was mm-hmm. a way that she could put food on the table, but still write. Right. Um, she did take a break for a year to study English literature at Dalhousie University in Halifax, mm-hmm. which is in Nova Scotia. <laughs> yes, that that is where I know Halifax some, was last I checked. I know some Canadian geography myself, thank you. <laughs> I don't look at Canadian maps that often, I'm sorry. I look at all maps all the time. Uh, so in 1897, uh, she started having more short stories published in magazines and newspapers. Um, mm-hmm. And for the next 10 years, she would have over 100 stories published. That's pretty and, good. Yeah. yeah. And she, she would make a pretty decent income off of her writing. Mm-hmm. So through her late teens and early 20s, uh, she had several relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than not... They all, like, felt more for her than she did for them. Mm. Uh, And she'd get several marriage proposals, but, you know, said no. (laughs) It was like, I don't like you enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A man by the name of Will uh, Pritchard was one of them, and and she did refuse his proposal, but they did stay friends and in correspondence um, for the next several years until he died. Oh. Which is going to be a trend for her life. Yeah. Going to come up a few more times. So then in 1897, uh, Edwin Simpson proposed and she accepted because she was like, man, I want to be loved. (laughs) I'm also a woman, so I need like some protection. Yeah, yeah. And she also like wrote in her journals that like, you know, marriage was a necessity Mm -hmm. in Canada. It was kind of like you not really a a choice you just kind of have to do it because mm-hmm. it's the 1800s it's a little hard if you don't um what did this guy have that all the others didn't or was she just desperate she thought by she now? liked him enough okay but then as they were engaged she started to hate him because <laughs> she found out he was really self-centered and vain okay so all then right. she broke off that engagement as well all right meaner neener she did have a brief relationship with Herman Herman Leard, uh, who she would write was the one she loved most out of anyone she had ever loved. Aw, Hermie. Um, and this was basically her one true love. Mm-hmm. But her family and friends objected that he was not good enough for her, and she was forced to break off the relationship. Mm-hmm. And tragically, he died very shortly after of the flu. Uh-huh. So Did Edwin survive after breaking off the engagement? Because I'm starting to wonder. As far as I know, he lived for a while. Okay. Um, um, but she would continue to think and write about him for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, basically how this, like incomplete relationship she would trade everything aside from like her future children Mm -hmm. to have this incomplete relationship over like not one yeah and it's not that big a commitment he would have died anyway yeah 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 so he could have had a very different tragic thing (laughs) she got married and he still died i don't know so in 1898 her grandfather suddenly died as well Mm -hmm. uh and she had to return to uh uh, she had to return back home, and she lived with her grandmother uh, for the next 13 years, mm-hmm. um, helping her take care of everything. And this wasn't really bad, though, aside from, like, losing the grandfather. Right, But, right. you know, she loved Prince Edward Island. 
she could focus on her writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not like she was giving a lot of things up to have to go back. I so, assume there were chickens to tend to. It seems everybody has chickens in these books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dur- during this time, especially, um, she would take like just a lot of you know, walks and enjoy Prince Edward Island, which she thought was basically the ideal beauty. Mm-hmm. She would often write about what she called the Flash. Barry Allen. Different Flash. Oh, okay. Wally West. <laughs> A different one. Bart Allen. Different. I can keep going I all day. I know you can. In this case, it was yeah. not a very fast man. Oh, okay. She she called it like a, a moment of tranquility when uh, there was like a very strong emotional experience and heightened awareness of like the beauty of nature and like a higher spiritual power running through it all. Very transcendentalist of her. Very Anne of Green Gables of her. Okay. <laughs> This this idea of the Flash, as she called it, is something you would definitely see in characters she would write. Mm-hmm. Like, no wonder why Anne is such a weirdo. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> rich in her life, dear. Rich, rich in her life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in 1905, uh, she would write Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. And uh, she sent it off to several publishers who rejected it, and she put it away for a while. And in 1907, she attempted uh, to have it published again, and it was accepted and published the following year. And it was an immediate freaking success. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out in June, and by November, it had gone through, through it had gone through six printings. Well, they just need to make bigger printings then. That's what I'm hearing. Maybe. Maybe. So if you're not familiar with mm-hmm. Anne of Green Gables, shame on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Be nice to the <laughs> listeners. They're good people. They know I'm joking. All right. Uh, so Anne of Green Gables is the story of an 11-year-old orphan girl named Anne Shirley, uh, who was mistakenly sent to two middle-aged siblings, Matthew and Marilla, uh, who intended to adopt a boy to help them on the farm. But instead, they got a girl. Oh, oh no. Uh, and it's all about her life uh, there. Because, mm-hmm. um, spoiler, they don't send her back. They keep her. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they they learn to love again. Their, their hearts yeah. are opened by this free-spirited weirdo. Yes, and... Uh, this book spans from when she's 11 until she's 18. Mm-hmm. So it was inspired uh, by notes that uh, Montgomery made when she was a young girl about a situation like this that she had heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then her own childhood on Prince Edward Island, because that is where Anne of Green Gables takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she would go on to write seven more Anne books between 1909 and 19. 19- 21 because popular yeah people like it because she wanted to keep eating and maybe buy a house yep yeah uh a 1911 newspaper said uh this story was the work of a modest young school teacher who was doubtless as 
who was doubtless as surprised as any of her neighbors when she found her sweetly simple tale of childish joys and sorrows. Uh, a literary success with the American public. Now, she was 37 <laughs> when she wrote this. People who are 37 can be young, too. Uh, yeah. Also, no longer a school teacher, as we know, like, all she wanted was to be a writer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as she noted in her, like, journals, she has been said that, you know, she was really in literature to make a living out of it. Yeah. Her whole point was yeah. to get stuff published and feed herself. Um, and I just think that article's like, you know, it's that whole, like, oh, a woman wrote a book. Isn't that about lovely? About children. How very cute. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was how a lot of how she got kind of treated. It, it's only the foundation of Canadian commercial literature. Like. Yep. <laughs> pretty much. Yep. But in uh, 1911, she would also write uh, a book called The Story Girl. Darling, this might yes. sound very familiar to you. <laughs> oh, the story girl. That's like the, the name of the first episode of The Road to Avonlea. <laughs> yes. Now, would I blow your mind if I tell you that in the book is narrated by this boy named Beverly who comes to live with his, his brother Felix mm -hmm. at his aunt and uncle's house and his cousins. <laughs> Spoilers, there's a show we're going to talk about that came from this later. Yeah. But is you got Beverly didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that later. Okay, so in 1911, uh, she would write another book called The Story Girl, uh, which was not about Anne. What? Uh, How dare she? The, the public is hungry. <laughs> Instead, it was about two brothers who went to live with their aunt and uncle and cousins on Prince Edward Island, and all about their adventures together with their cousin, Sarah Stanley, who was known as the story girl. And she would like tell very fascinating tales. And one time she got kidnapped by the circus. Maybe. Maybe. Is that in the, I hope I that's in know. the book. I don't know. I actually have never read the story okay. girl. I don't know. <laughs> you, you may not know because you didn't read it, but are there like cameos from people in, in Anne's life? In the story girl, the novel? I am not totally sure. Okay. Not totally sure. I'll have to read it. Let you know. Okay. I mean, it makes sense because it's kind of the same world. Well, yes. Uh, but this this book was a little um, family aspect. The adventures mm -hmm. the kids were getting up to were very much in the same tone of the Anne books. Right. But the stories that Sarah Stanley would tell were a lot darker. Mm-hmm. Because the stories were, like, a wide variety of things happening, topics. Mm -hmm. Apparently, yeah, it was a little darker, a little more mature than <laughs> other sections of it. But it's okay because it's not real. It's just a story made up by this, this girl, Sarah. Yes. And the real stuff is pa pastoral yeah. loveliness yeah. and, and one-room schoolhouses. I think one of the things with... All her books is, like, it's easy for people to say, oh, it's this loveliness in this, like, pastel, beautiful world. But, like, almost all of her characters are, like, orphans <laughs> or dealing with, like, their family's, like, involvement in crime. So they have to be sent away mm -hmm. and, like, people dying of stuff. All, all of the different fevers. Like, like the whole set. 
it's kind of how people are like, oh, Little House on the Prairie, so cute. And I'm like, they almost die like 20 times <laughs> in one book. Yeah. It's a little, a little intense, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like toned down from what actually happened. But also in 1911, uh, she would finally give in to a fiancé. <laughs> That's the romantic way to say it. She gave in to a fiancé. So she married uh, Erwin MacDonald, a Presbyterian minister. Um, And after they married, they would move to Ontario. And she would uh, actually never live on Prince Edward Island again. Aww. Uh, McDonald and her had, like, nothing in common. Um, (laughs) And she wrote in her journal that she would not want him for a lover, but she hopes at first, that she could maybe find a friend in him, but their marriage was incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she often would write about how it was her duty to make it work. But at one point, she said that those women whom God wanted to destroy, he would make into wives of ministers. That's a very common sentiment among wives of ministers, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I don't think she thought very fondly of her life there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, together, they would have uh, three children, uh, the second of which was born, stillborn. Mm-hmm. But while living in Ontario, she would uh, go on to write 11 books and just like throw herself into her writing, partly as like an escape from her horrible husband that she did not like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so throughout World War One, she was honestly just like straight up obsessed with with the war and the war coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, she did try to support war efforts by like writing articles and urging people to volunteer and like buying war bonds and encouraging other people too. Um, and it's said that she apparently celebrated like every allied victory mm-hmm. and any loss was like this deep depressive state for her. Mm-hmm. Like, if her husband didn't bring a newspaper home, (laughs) she was furious because she, like, needed to know what was happening. What of the Kaiser, Ewan? (laughs) What of the Kaiser? Um, And then things didn't get better because MacDonald uh, started to refuse to preach about the war, which was something that, like priests were doing they were like encouraging it in their churches like you gotta connect things to to current events you gotta make things relevant right yeah uh and so then he started to believe that by encouraging men to enlist he had sinned Mm -hmm. and just like would have nothing to do with it and so there was like a lot of tension there so so did he become like a, a religious pacifist of sorts then uh he would fall into a deep religious melancholia sure so happens to everybody sometime he became convinced that he was not one of the elect chosen by god Uh uh-huh uh so he was not gonna go to heaven uh and that they were all damned and they were all gonna go straight to hell Mm -hmm. and ended up going from either like a comatose state or screaming at his family that he wished they'd all never been born since they were all damned Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah this sounds like (laughs) i I don't i'm not an expert i'm not a doctor i don't know this guy but like there's some mental illness going on 
that is being that is intersecting with theology in a destructive manner. Oh yeah. 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 Um unfortunately they actually both had a lot of what we can assume mental health struggles. Mm-hmm. After uh her third child, she was hit very hard with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and would continue to have huge bouts of depression for the rest of her life and would often be taking medication and even later in life become addicted to the medication she was given mm-hmm. to try to treat her depression. That did not help their marriage from either side. No, no, it's especially if you don't really like each other that much to begin with. Yeah. Pretty rough. Yeah. She So she got the Spanish flu mm-hmm. in 1918 and almost died. Um, and she was very much considering divorce after that because he really didn't give a crap that she <laughs> almost died. Or I, that she was sick. I can see that as a deal breaker. Uh, uh, yeah, all right. But divorce was incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. Um, in Canada, there were about like 250 divorces in like the 30 year time span before this. Uh-huh. Not common. Um, and again, she had this idea that it was her duty to make it work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though she couldn't stand his face, mm-hmm. she's like, well, I have to do it. He's my husband. I have to stay married to him. Yeah. Uh, so starting in 1917, mm-hmm. uh, she was engaged in lawsuits with the owner of L.C. Page and Company, her publishing house. Page uh, was known for being a horrible American publisher, uh, and he signed authors into contracts that completely exploited them. Right. So that year she realized she had been receiving seven cents on the dollar for the sale of every one of her books instead of the 19 cents she was supposed to get. Uh, uh, that's a, It's more than a third of what she's supposed to get. That's yeah. something. You know, glass half full, glass mm-hmm. one third full. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she switched publishers, but when she did, Paige demanded she sign over the American rights to some of her Anne books. And when she refused, he cut off royalties from her earlier books and then sold the rights, which he actually did not own, to Uh a different publishing house. Paige was counting on the fact that she was a woman. Right. So who's going to believe her? And he's a millionaire. um, There you go. That like, oh, she's not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. But she sued his ass. Yeah. And the rest of them too, right? The whole dude. Okay. Okay. Not just his butt. So again, this started in 1917, uh, and it wouldn't be until 1925 that the Massachusetts court ruled in her favor. Uh, The judge found that he had cheated her out of profits since uh, 1908. Um, Nearly 20 years by that point. Yes. And Paige used every excuse to avoid paying her for years. Uh, In 1927, his estranged brother died. Um, his brother being estranged because, like, he could not stand his brother. Hated him. <laughs> Sounds like a lovely guy. A lot of really tense families. Can we just <laughs> read the books instead? Those families like each other. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, and so Paige waged a campaign of harassment against her, mm-hmm. uh, speaking publicly and sending her multiple telegrams accusing her of being the reason why his brother died. And, like, the reason why his brother's widow had a mental breakdown. 
uh, and all like, you know, are you pleased with yourself about this? What in the world? How how dare? (laughs) But all of this crap did like ruin his business Mm because no one wanted to do business with him. Sure, sure. Uh, So the company was not publishing any new authors, any new books. They were only like getting by on the reissuing of older books that Mm -hmm. they had already like had the rights for. Right. Um, In November 1928, three years after the court said, hey. Mm -hmm. uh, And 11 after beginning the the legal process. Yes. She finally received the 15,000 US dollars that the auditor said that he had cheated her out of. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but very substantial for the time. Also considering it's like 19 cents payments. Yeah. (laughs) Would have been even more substantial in 1907. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So in 1919, uh, the first film version of Anne of Green Gables came out. Happy 101st birthday. Yeah. It was the first of many. Uh, this was a silent film right. um, that Montgomery had absolutely no say in because she did not have the film rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne was made American and it took place in New England. <laughs> Which was, like, one of her big beefs with it. Yeah, um, yeah. She, she also commented that, you know, it, was, it looked beautiful. It was sure. shot nice. But they turned Anne into something that she wasn't. They made her really sweet and sugary. No, and she, she rough around the edges. That's my Anne. She is. Yeah. But then they also had her, like, threaten people with a shotgun. And she's like, she also not that rough. <laughs> We need a nice middle ground. Too much in both directions. Sarah Stanley would shoot someone with a shotgun. Absolutely. And no jury would convict her because the the story she'd tell from the witness stand. Yes. So moving. Uh, So a silent uh, film actress of the time, Mary Miles Minter, uh, played Anne. Mary Miles Minter, founder of the 3M company that I'm sure we talked about in your Office Supply episode. Uh, So she appeared in 53 silent films between uh, 1912 and 1923. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was actually born uh, Juliet uh, Riley. Which is a perfectly good movie star name Uh for the time, I think. So in 1912, when she was 10, uh, to avoid child labor laws, her mother got the birth certificate of her older sister's dead child, and Juliet... Took on Mary's identity. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool. I love it. Yeah. Other other interesting thing about her um, is in 1922, the director of the Anne of Green Gables movies, who also directed a few other things she was in, was murdered in his home. Uh-huh. And she and her mother were both suspects. Watch where his birth certificate shows up. That's the key. Uh, there, there was no evidence to support it. Okay, it was that's mostly <laughs> gossip. Sure, that it was them. Uh, the case, however, was never solved, but it did completely ruin her reputation, and she uh, gave up her film career the next year. Nowadays, we can blame any unsolved murder on like a robbery gone wrong, people trying to get you know drug money. Yeah. But back then, you could buy cocaine over the counter. Like, there's, <laughs> nobody's robbing anyone for drug money. Yeah. So of the 53 films she starred in, 
Uh, only about a dozen exist today, and the Anne of Green Gables movie is not one of them. It's believed all prints were lost. That's a huge problem with the, the silent era, the pre-code era. Film preservation is is a big deal, people. Watch Hugo. Get in yes. on it. Yeah. Yes. Actually, the, the film reel footage in the links of our last episode, uh, the, the newsreel footage of the 1919 World Series, yeah. was restored from a discovered reel found in, like, Tundra. Yeah. That's why, like, it looks like garbage on uh, where the spokes would be. But, yeah, wild. Wild stuff. So much of the stuff that does exist from those time periods are things that, like, were suddenly discovered in someone's basement or something. Right. That, like, hadn't been touched in 50 years. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy. Uh, So in uh, 1920... Getting mm-hmm. back to Montgomery, uh, uh, okay. the the house she grew up in was torn down by her uncle uh, because too many tourists were coming to see it. <laughs> this uncle is very short-sighted. Mm-hmm. You charge the tourists a buck. <laughs> yep. she was. Inc- That's the difference between Canadians and Americans, I guess. Yes. Yeah. She was incredibly upset by the loss of this house. Mm-hmm. That year, she also stopped writing uh, her Anne books. Mm-hmm. And saying that she had tired of the character. And she turned to writing books about new characters. uh, One being a character named Emily and the other being Pat. Uh, These books were very successful, but not on the same level. Well, Um, yeah, there aren't 40 Emily and Pat movies, so that makes sense. There are a couple of Emily. Okay. Uh, Emily of New Moon uh, was the book that started. And this character is... Could be considered like partially autobiographical. Um, Emily character focused on dreaming of being a writer. Mm-hmm. Pat of Silverbush came out later, and this character was a much moodier girl uh, whose best friend dies of the Spanish flu. Sure, sure. It's it's definitely like a all her other characters go through a lot of like trials. <laughs> Pat of Silverbush goes through a lot. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like, like there's. It. There's a lot of stuff. It's definitely a darker series of books. It seems right up your alley. Yeah. This is this is like your American Girl books, it's, but even heavier. I knew I had a fond spot or a fond spot for uh, the Kirsten books in American Girl because in like the first book, her best friend dies, and I was like, oh yeah, it's good. <laughs> which I'm weird. Which time period did Kirsten live in? She was pioneer. Okay. Yeah, she was a Swedish immigrant, so it was on the boat actually coming over from Sweden that her best friend dies, and they have to, like, dump the body overboard. And her doll is $300? $100. Okay. (laughs) Those dolls are all, like, $99. (laughs) So Montgomery said that she gave Anne her imagination, Mm -hmm. an Emily Starr, her knack for scribbling, but the girl who was more herself than any other is pat of silverbush not externally but spiritually she is i is scribbling just what people called writing back then because that's also uh a a big deal in uh uh, little women again yeah was was that just the vernacular of the day yeah i I think it's like how people like who like do art and Mm -hmm. you know draw like amazing they say like oh my doodles yeah, it's okay. kind of like a passive thing about what you do. Okay, 
<laughs> it's like a dismissive way of talking about a thing you do. Okay. Uh, so in 1935, her husband signed himself into a sanatorium. That seems like a good move. Uh, I don't know. After his stay and release, uh, the, he, he was told to take some pills for depression and the drugstore gave her the pills, uh, that he was supposed to take, but the clerk messed up and they were laced with insecticides and almost killed him. <laughs> and he became really freaking paranoid and accused her of attempted murder. <laughs> also a fair reaction. I don't know. So now he would alternate between a catatonic state or crazed moments of declaring he hated God for damning him and beating his wife for trying to kill him. Things weren't going great. The sanatorium's still there, my dude. You can... You could always go back. The following year, they moved to Swansea, Ontario, bought a house they named Journey's End, which is quite a name. I guess she had a thing for naming houses. Everyone named houses back there, but Journey's End is like, wow, you plan to die here. <laughs> yeah, but like Anne named Green Gables. It was just, you know, Matthew's house <laughs> until she moved in and named it Green Gables. Yeah. yeah. While there, she returned to writing uh, Anne for mm -hmm. the first time in 15 years. Oh. Uh, and that year, uh, King George V named her to the Order of the British Empire. Well, he just had to know what was going to happen. Yeah. That's that's one way to encourage somebody to, to do the next book. Yeah. They're like, I just have to know what happens. Come on. <laughs> what do I got to do to get you back into Avonlea? I know, I know, I know. Order of the British Empire. <laughs> Give me a sequel. Okay. So she uh, completed her ninth book featuring Anne uh, called The Blythes Are Quoted. I hate that name. That's a bit esoteric. All right. The publisher received it on April 24th, 1942, uh, the day she was found dead in her home. Aww. The cause was listed as coronary thrombosis. Blood clot stuff. Yeah. But uh, in 2008, her granddaughter said that she might have actually taken her own life through an overdose. Mm -hmm. um, we know that she suffered from depression. And at this point, she had become addicted to many of the things that they gave her to try to treat it. And you've got like a one in a hundred chance of there being an insecticide in there, apparently. Yes. Um, but on her bedside, uh, they found writing, which may have been a suicide note or a journal entry for later. Mm -hmm. You would think with a professional writer, you could tell, though, well, right? <laughs> well, give your opinion after this. Uh, it said, I have lost my mind by spells and I do not dare. I do not dare think what I may do in those spells. May God forgive me and I hope everyone else will forgive me even if they cannot understand. My position is too awful to endure and nobody realizes it. What an end to a life in which I tried always to do my best. Okay, I can see the gray area. I can I'm um yeah. It sounds very... Yeah. But then at the same time, you know, she was a person who would write everything, all her thoughts. She journaled her entire life. She right. wrote things down. So, like, it's hard to know if it was just her thoughts in that moment or something else. Mm -hmm. The publisher refused to publish the book. 
Uh, it is believed because it... King George V is going to be so upset. <laughs> so upset. It's believed because it had much darker tones and an extremely anti-war message. Mm-hmm. Um, the The book was Anne dealing with the fact that her child was going to have to go fight in the war. Mm. Um, and, and since World War II was happening it certainly was all over the place they weren't gonna publish that yeah what i think is interesting is that this obviously shows a a change Mm -hmm. in montgomery's opinion since world war one cheering on the war like her favorite sports team yes yeah to probably having to deal with the effects and the thoughts and like the outcome of everything even Mm -hmm. more taking a toll on how she felt and then having it all happen again. So it wasn't until uh, the 1970s that an edited version of this story was published. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't actually be until 2009, 67 years later, that the original completed book was published. For the 90th anniversary of the first movie. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm sure that was an intended tie-in. <laughs> little sticker on the dusk jacket for for every copy. Montgomery's funeral uh, took place back on Prince Edward Island, Mm. and she was buried there Mm -hmm. um, in the town that she grew up in with her grandparents. Anne of Green Gables and the series of books at this point has had at least six TV shows, including an anime, Mm -hmm. 13 TV movies, and four major films. All starting with that 1919 silent film. Right. We had two more movies come uh, in 1934 and then its sequel in 1940. This one's very interesting because the the actress that played Anne, uh, Dawn O'Day, uh, she changed her name to Anne Shirley upon its (laughs) release. And you think Daniel Day-Lewis is method. <laughs> he did not go to the courthouse and say, my name is Abraham Lincoln now. Thank you very much. You know he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, he did. This Anne of Green Gables movie was one of the top four grossing films for RKO that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actress was actually the Alice in the pre-Mickey Disney silent films like animated films, mm-hmm. uh, Alice in Cartoonland. The, these are movies that are sort of backwards Roger Rabbit is how I guess you'd describe <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. A, a one real life person. Yeah. Uh, apparently named Anne Shirley. No, she was Don O'Day at that time. At the time. She, okay, yes. She was a child. Other way around in the timeline. Yes. So, so Don O'Day going around and reacting to things and then animators drawing in things around her. Yes. Yeah. And then later she became Anne Shirley. In name and deed. She even did the E at the end. In 1985, an Anne of Green Gables film came out that I think is, if you know Anne of Green Gables and if you've ever seen a version, it's probably this version. Yes. Especially people of our age. Yes. Yeah. It was produced and directed by Kevin Sullivan, who started um, a long-running series of movies and shows. Anne of Green Gables, uh, his version, was the highest-rated program of any genre ever to air on Canadian television. (laughs) Uh, And it was a co-production between CBC and PBS. 
And now uh, they had a casting call for Anne across Naturally. the country of Canada. And uh, Catherine Hepburn actually recommended her great niece, Skylar Grant, to mm-hmm. play Anne. And Sullivan loved her and was going to cast her. But she was American. Oh. And the broadcast executives were like, uh, I don't think you should do that. You cannot steal Canadian valor. Uh, so instead, she was cast as Diana, uh, Anne's best friend. Her bosom friend. Her bosom friend. Thank you very much. Yes. So Megan Follows was cast as Anne after her second audition, because he didn't really like her the first time. (laughs) Uh, And she would play Anne in the sequels that came out in 1987. And Anne of Green Gables, the continuing story in 2000. Mm -hmm. Quite a time gap there. And then in 2008, uh, they made a prequel where she appears, but they cast a child to play like Anne before she comes to Green Gables. Well, I would hope they, they weren't cost, casting this, this grown <laughs> 50-year-old woman as pre-Green Gables Anne. Yeah. Uh, the popularity of... Was she like playing Anne in like a frame story looking back or was it yes. more like a cameo her as a different character? Yes, it's her It's her looking back. Okay. All right. That's Yeah, cute. it's That's like cute. old Anne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think she comes across like stuff she wrote as like a child, mm-hmm. and then it's all like flashbacks and uh, stuff. Okay, I, I have not actually seen that one. I've seen all the other ones. That one I did not see, <laughs> probably because it only came out in two thousand eight. <laughs> You've only had twelve years. Where do you find the time? But the popularity of that first movie uh, also led to the spinoff show that I love. Yes, Road to Avonlea. Yeah. Uh, you have watched all of it I've with me. I've watched all of the Road to Avonlea. I know all about Gus Pike and Gus Aunt, Pike and Aunt Hetty. Oh, yeah. Aunt Hetty. Yes. So, uh, Road to Avonlea was a Canadian TV series from 1990 to 1996. It was done by Sullivan in association with CBC and Disney, mm-hmm. uh, and it is loosely based on the Story Girl, mm-hmm. and also. Um, Many of the episodes and situations were adapted from Montgomery's short stories in uh, the Chronicles of Avonlea and the Further Chronicles of Avonlea. Very creative title. Which makes me go, man, I need to read those. Because <laughs> let me tell you, The Road to Avonlea has some crazy crap happen. Sarah Stanley does get kidnapped by circus clowns in like the second or third season. Yep. It <laughs> makes me wonder how much was like inspired by these tales that i have not read yeah or how much they just made up road to avonlea is interesting because for one it follows this weird arc where like there's from an american perspective at least the first couple seasons are very like little house on the prairie canada you know (laughs) the kids are living the the rural old-timey life Uh but then things get very silly and weird for a while. And then they, and get, then they get incredibly dark. It's just like... Everyone is dying everyone at dies. sea. And going bankrupt. <laughs> and it's awful for everyone. Yes. And it's then insane. the final season where, like, it's a big farewell tribute to everything. And all of those tones get smashed together at the same time. And the last season is wild. Yes. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's also, like, bizarre because it, it has... All these characters from the story girl and other characters from 
the town of Avonlea where Green Gables takes place. It doesn't have Anne. But they talk about they her talk sometimes. They talk about her. It, it has she, Anne's family. It has her family. She does not. She never shows up. She's always off to school or she's on a trip. And it's like, bizarre. Yes. And I think this is uh, something we talked about in a previous like Disney episode. But Sarah Poli played Sarah Stanley. Uh, now known as a, as a really well-regarded uh, director of films and, and writer, documentary films. Yeah. yeah. So she waxed off Disney when she was 11 <laughs> mm-hmm. by protesting the first Gulf War. And that's why her character kind of disappears. Yeah, I think once yeah. her contract ran out a couple of years later, they were like, you're done. Bye. <laughs> yeah. She uh, most recently uh, adapted and directed the recent Margaret Atwood adaptation of Alias Grace, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly suggest uh, and she was also originally going to do the new Little Women before it went to Greta. I would love to be in a world where both those movies were made. Right? I want to see. I want to see both of them. I mean, I've seen one, but I want to see her version. Yeah, the one that doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah, that, that's going to be a bit of a harder trick. But like, <gasps> I'd say I wish that didn't happen. But then that would mean losing the Greta Garrick Little Women, and I wouldn't so do that for the world. So good. So good. So Sullivan Animation also made an animated show for PBS of Anne of Green Gables in 2000. I remember that. I didn't I, watch it, but like I, I, I remember watch... seeing ads for it yeah. on PBS shows I did watch. Yes. Yeah. I never watched it either, but I do remember all the ads. Anne of Green Gables is not one where I can say I've seen everything. <laughs> but considering I've watched all to Road to Avonlea, I think it's okay. Another weird thing about Road to Avonlea. <laughs> Because it comes from the same production company, uh-huh. there are there's a fair number of actors shared between that and the the big Anne movie that and came before it. Some of them it. play different characters. Yeah, some of them are the same character, and some are completely different characters, so, and it's disorienting. So, in Road to Avonlea, the guy who plays the uncle, yes, the the patriarch of the cast, who's like in it nonstop. Okay, yes. In Anne of Green Gables, he was a minister. Yeah, he's the local pastor in town. <laughs> completely different guy. Completely different character. And then he's And just... it's not a minor role in no. Green Gables either. Like no, he's in it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. I just figure they play like it's basically a they pulled a Doctor Who. I think they might be twins. Twins? Okay, yeah, identical twins. The uncle's identical twin is the local minister and it just never comes up. Well, because he moved away to go like be a minister at another place. Somewhere else with Prince in the name. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like you do. So there was uh, a long and lengthy legal battle uh, between Sullivan and the the, the producer of all these Canadian things. Yes. And the heirs of the Montgomery estate. Mm -hmm. They had like sold him rights, but then they went and established the Anne of Green Gables licensing authority and became involved in several suits in Canada, the U.S. and Japan. Sure. Uh, for trying to basically get more royalties and saying you didn't have rights and you owe us stuff. In the case in Japan, the court determined that they were not entitled to any of the rights they claimed and (laughs) that they were just profit seekers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually, they came to an agreement Mm -hmm. um, and that all stopped. But for like years, this went on. And I actually remember, because he has like his own website, for all his stuff. And there was like a really weird message on it about licensing things. And I was like, what <laughs> the hell is this? 
It was bizarre. What got said to a lawyer who said something to you. Yes, I yeah. was like, oh. Um, what led me to doing this episode yes. was my recent binge on season three of Anne with an E. Yeah. Uh, CBC production in connection with Netflix. Season three just came out. Uh, the final season. Unfortunately. Un- unless something happens, fingers crossed, I guess. Apparently there is actually a very large, like, fan-based, like, protest happening about this. Um, like, on the level of, like, how they got Jericho to come back. Yeah. Um, like, people are buying, like, billboards. <laughs> and, like, publicly shaming, like, Netflix and the production company for stopping it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this is a three-season yes. telling of the, the youth of Anne Shirley. Yes. Um, but it's very different. Mm-hmm. It is the same story, but it tackles a lot of much harder-hitting issues and things and like themes that already existed mm-hmm. within the world, but not shying away from it. Right. Such as the fact that Anne has basically PTSD from her experiences as a child in a very abusive orphanage and with abusive families. Everyone she lived with before coming to Avonlea, not good people. Yes. It's it's a thing. It's a big deal. And especially through like the first season and then several times throughout, she has to deal with all these demons coming back Mm -hmm. and her memories coming Um, It also tackles uh, sexuality, uh, gender stereotyping, racism, and oppression. This last season uh, had a side storyline that dealt with the horrors of residential schools for First Nation children. Mm -hmm. Do I have to say, I wanted more from it. (laughs) Is that what you want out of season four? More of the the, the genocide of the First Nations of Canada? (sighs) What? That poor character, that like that the girl, the character that it follows. I want more of her. Yeah. I spoilers. <laughs> she doesn't have a happy ending, and I get why they ended it the way they did because mm-hmm. it really like shows that First Nation children like her in these situations back then did not have happy endings. Right. There was no way out. Mm-hmm. But when you're watching a show, you just don't want it to end that way. <laughs> it's very hard. I highly should suggest checking it out. I very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not quite so uh, paint this beautiful picture of this idyllic, you know, mm-hmm. what the past was. Do you think, like you clearly know a lot more than I do, do you think there's a chance that Lucy Maud Montgomery was not a straight person? know about that okay i don't know because like the the way her her romantic life goes uh basically being coerced into marriage by the the fact that yeah marriage was pretty compulsory if you wanted to be a woman and not starve and be destitute it's hard to say because of the like herman yes there was one guy she was pretty into yes like deeply affected by his death and Mm -hmm. having to turn him down and again she like wrote about him okay for so long throughout her life it's hard to assume that right knowing that mm, I, <laughs> I don't choose to assume though people's yeah, like yeah. sexuality especially people that are dead i just i just think that like the those stories leave a lot of room for uh you know like there are 
in her works, mm-hmm. like women who who live together and and get along and never marry, and everybody in town is just like, oh, isn't it nice that that they have each other? Those two poor spinster ladies. Mm-hmm. But now something being made in current day and with an e able to look at those characters and be like yeah but we kind of know what might have really been going on i do really appreciate stuff like that about and with an e though like mm-hmm. one of the characters there there is a whole thing about how oh she's lived with her friend and she's like no like please remove the veil from your eyes <laughs> yeah. this is actually what's going on and they do like some really great attempts at handling things like that that existed then Mm -hmm. there's a interview i was reading with the woman who created the show talking about also trying to not have it just be like a whitewash show right bringing in characters of different backgrounds and races that like they existed (laughs) like they existed (laughs) and they were here and let's like and especially like the last season trying to make like more of those characters involved Mm -hmm. which is not stuff that was like in the novel but it does like i don't know it's great yeah it it does a good job and to like you know the extent of hiring first nation actors to actually play first nation characters Mm -hmm. uh my my favorite uh and with any fact though yes which you got to experience experience me finding out in real time (laughs) yes was that the actor R.H. Thompson, mm-hmm. who plays Matthew. The the adoptive father of Anne. Yes. Played a character by the name of Jasper Dale on Road to Avonlea for like its entire freaking run. And I only realized this like halfway through season three. <laughs> there it, was a lot of screaming. <laughs> Jasper Dale in Avonlea is, is a local tinkerer who eventually marries into the family that's at the center of the show. Yes. And then runs a cannery of lobsters that burns down <laughs> in those really tragic seasons where everything that can go wrong does. Yes. I like lost it. <laughs> I mean, that show was like 30 years ago. He looks different. He does. But how did I not see? <laughs> He's never going to get off that island. <laughs> Today, uh, Prince Edward Island is a major tourist destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Gables Historical Place is located in the Prince Edward Island National Park. Mm-hmm. This is a 19th century uh, farmhouse that uh, is not the house that Montgomery like grew up in or anything. But it was. I, I bet her uncle's heirs are real upset about what happened way back when. <laughs> well, it was a house owned by her cousins and sure. a place that she visited. And um, next best thing, All that right. <laughs> definitely is the inspiration for some of what she wrote about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have tours, and you can meet Anne. They have people dress up as Anne. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do, do they have to give them wigs, or are there just like a, a wild population of redheaded girls on the island? I don't know. I do know that you can totally you can buy straw hats that have red pigtails coming <laughs> off of them. Is there a snack stand, and do they sell carrots? And if you order <laughs> if you order the carrots, do they make a big scene about it? That's a great question. <laughs> Random thing I found out uh, is that Anne of Green Gables is apparently very popular in Japan. Japan of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables was first uh, translated, starting in 1939, by Hanako Mororoka. Uh, she was a children's book translator, 
uh, she translated tons and tons of books between <laughs> 1927 and her death in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Apparently, though, like she she's very famous for doing this because she had they actually created like a TV show about her in Japan oh, that's and cute. about like her work translating books. I'm sure it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess in the 90s, there was a Canadian world <laughs> in a town in Japan, and they had a replica Green Gables and other, like, PEI landmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across a really interesting article by a Canadian girl who played Anne there in the 90s, like, for a year. Uh, we're going to link it. It was interesting. And I guess Prince Edward Island gets a large amount of Japanese tourists and has exchange programs as well That's at the wild. local university. I just thought it was really interesting that, like, there's this um, kind I, of, like, cultural yeah, part of I, it. I wonder what the, the, like, popular theories are for why, you know, of all things, that hit it big in Japan. Yeah. But Anne of Green Gables has been translated into 36 languages mm-hmm. um, and sold uh, 50 million copies. It is considered one of the best-selling books worldwide. Now, 50 and... million copies times 19 <laughs> cents. Hmm. Uh, and Montgomery is considered one of the most successful Canadian authors of all time. Yeah. I can't name another one off the top of yeah. my head. <laughs> it's not a literature podcast, folks. Get, get off my neck. <laughs> well, that's Lucy Maud Montgomery. Darling, what did you learn? I mean, the whole Japan thing is... <laughs> I'm never surprised to know that something from you know, North America ha- has a, a, a larger than you'd expect Japanese, you know, following or cultural impact. But every time it happens, it's just like that, that one, why that one? Explain to me why that one. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Not, not in an incredulous way, but a curious way. Why, yeah. why that one? Yeah. Having not read any of them, on- only engaged with like film and TV adaptations, mm-hmm. I'm always curious, like, what is original to the adaptations? What has been sanitized by the trans uh, uh, adaptations? Well, I, th- I think some of the the biggest things is everyone always does Anne of Green Gables, the first book. Yeah. That is always a focus. Yeah. What happens in the later books? Other things. <laughs> <laughs> like, y- usually. So as an example, the, the Sullivan movies, okay? Sure. So his first movie was the first book. The second movie combines the next three books. <laughs> Anne of Green Gables, the book, mm-hmm. goes from her coming to live with them, and it goes all the way through her going to college, Yeah, coming back with her teaching certificate. Matthew dies. Yes. And she has to help Marilla. She has to work at a school farther away, and she mm-hmm. can only come back on the weekends. And it ends with Gilbert Blythe giving up his Avonlea teacher spot so she can stay close to home. And they're like friendship solidifying. Mm -hmm. Not actually like a relationship, just a friendship. That's not how any of the movies do it. Oh, no. No, no. None of them do that. All of the movies end with the two of them getting a smoochie. So then the next book, like the future books are all like expanding on her teaching and her writing and like then her like relationship actually and like Mm -hmm. starting a family and then some of the later books are actually about, like, when she has children and focus more on her children. Mm-hmm. A lot of that they just don't do anything with. <laughs> They're like, now nah, this is exciting now that she's an adult. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that the Anne with an E stops 
when she goes to school. For now, uh, write yeah. your congressman, buy a billboard. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like you, after seeing it all, you still even have to go back and read the book again and be like, okay, what was like original? Right. Yeah. Because it just gets so morphed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's uh, it's the same thing with like Little Women. It's a story over a hundred years old that's mm-hmm. set e- even further back than that. Yes. There, there's just this game of cultural telephone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we're gonna finally take a quick break. Okay. And be back with letters. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and this is History Honeys with an S. History Honeys with an S? Like Anne with an E, because it's the last uh, letter. Uh, it's like Elena with an A. A bunch of them. A They're bunch of all them. up no in there. No E's. No E's. <laughs> <laughs> Just today, chock full of A's, your name. When I was at Panera today, yeah, guy was like, Eliana. You get that one a and lot, I was like, apparently. Elena, and he was like... Really? <laughs> Staring at the receipt. How do you? And he looked at the other girl like, would you read it that way? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I did not care you got it wrong until you started like trying to say I'm wrong. <laughs> Anyhow, we have a letter to read today. <laughs> Ramona writes in uh, to, to talk about their plans for the coming year. Uh, a, a wonderful thing to think about in this, the month of January. Mm-hmm. Better than thinking about what's going on out the window. Oh, it's gross out. I hope the mic's not picking up the wind. <laughs> I am so cold. But Ramona is planning to move in with their best friend in a few months. That is exciting and fun. That's a fun thing to do. But they're also uh, holding out a lot of hope for an actual positive electoral change in America this fall, which has a shot of actually happening for the first time in maybe my lifetime. (laughs) It's true. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting. And it's the sort of true and exciting thing that makes you want to, to lock your heart in a lead case so it doesn't get hurt again. Yeah, I'm trying not to have feelings. That doesn't make it any less important or, again, true. Uh, Ramona also suggests uh, that we see Little Women, which we did, and it's great. So we all think it's great. We did about a week ago, if you couldn't tell from the content yes. of this episode. Well, I was going to say, watching it. any of you listeners, if you've been on the fence about seeing it, mm-hmm. you should go. You should go. It was good. Oscar snubs left and right. But yeah, Little Women, it's good. It's, it's good. And with an E, it's good. I you guess, haven't seen Anne with an E. To I know, guess. But. I guess we're due for for another uh, little house in the big woods, or something. Can someone remake Pippi Longstocking? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. All, yeah, all of our uh, uh, spunky frontier children. She's not frontier. Yeah, she's spunky though. She's very spunky. And that is the end of our mailbag this episode. That's it, because we didn't give a prompt, because I didn't know what I was doing. We, we took a short break for the holidays, and so did our, our writers, and that's fine. It's going to be a long episode all the same. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, if you would like to write into us, where can those go, dear? Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your, your stories, your questions, your corrections, your show suggestions, and responses to our usual prompts. Again... 
we don't have one for the next episode because we're taking another br- break in, in two weeks. Yes. We will be doing some travel. Yes. And we have a planned bonus episode to go up uh, in two weeks' time. Yes. While we could ask for a prompt for it, we're going to have to uh, uh, record it so far in advance that, like, the pipeline gets a little fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, feel free to write in anyway with all those other things I mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those can still go to historyhoneyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at History Honeys. I'm sure those will really be lighting up, the the Instagram uh, and uh, maybe even the Twitter at least, while we are away. Maybe. Maybe. Let's be honest, we don't do anything with the Facebook. (laughs) It's time to come clean. 2020 is a year of honesty it's basically if you want a notification that there's a new episode and you know what it's great for that (laughs) that's that's all you got (laughs) but were there if if you want to make liars out of us and start using the facebook page have at it and we'll see how it goes but (laughs) i think i might use it more than i use my own personal facebook (laughs) that's not saying much but uh, you can also give us a rating and review. Uh, oh, just imagine us coming back from our trip and, and seeing a whole lot of new uh, Apple Podcast reviews. Oh. oh, it makes my tummy a fl- all a flutter. Oh, that doesn't sound good. It, it makes me want to puke. Uh, <laughs> you know what doesn't, though? Word of mouth. It makes me beam. Smiles from ear to ear whenever I eavesdrop on people. So I guess don't leave us a rating and review. No, just do it. Friends. Do it. I'm so confused. Do both. Uh, so with that. I'm Grant. I'm Elena. And history's better with with your your honey. honey.